Hey, Michelle. How's it going? Good. Good. Welcome to West Coast Project on time and not in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll be a little bit better. Episode 405 of Halt and Catch Fire, Nowhere Man. I know, Mike. It's halfway over. How did you like Nowhere Man, Michelle? I thought it was really, really, really good. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it had a lot of content. I'm still... I got very annoyed and angry with these characters, which I love to do. It's one of those love-to-hate kind of things, and I thought that they brought that out in me perfectly, and I loved it. What would you think? Well, Michelle, you can say that about just about every episode of Halt and Catch Fire. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely you can. I liked how they made me think about the future, and I liked how they reminded me of how they started the series. So overall, I guess I really liked it, too. Um, I went back and did a little bit of research and before this season, before season four here, they interviewed Cantwell and Rogers, the writers and showrunners and asked them kind of what they were thinking as they were going to bring this whole thing in for a landing. And, um, they, so they kind of answered with how the characters might answer. And so I'll read, I'll just read a little bit of it. They say, by the fourth season, they've all been through various cycles of projects, thinking this is the project, this is the project that will make me whole. That's going to make me right. Or this is the relationship that's going to answer all my problems. But ultimately, wherever they go, there they are. (laughs) So they're kind of Gordon-ish here. Like, whatever life life throws at you, there you are. You just got to, you can't really do much about it you can't predict it you just got to live with it um so then they finish off um christopher rogers says so i think we find them in the fourth season kind of asking themselves if the cycle ever ends or if there's a way to step off or if there's just a way to make peace and i'll put that i'll put a link to that interview in the show notes but they they gave this interview like august 18th right before the fourth season started well that's pretty cool yeah, so were there any memorable uh, quotes or <clears throat> episode, episode moments that you highlighted from this episode, Michelle? Well, I mean, I think we have to take a look at where Cameron finally voiced how she's felt about Joe. Move waited how long for that? And um, so I thought that was pretty telling. Um, other than that, there there was some stuff, but... But nothing, no, no. I liked I liked Cameron's admission. I just wanted to see if I could do it. It, it was very Walter White-ish. Like, I did this for my family, bullshit. I did this for sure. people that I was leaving behind, bullshit. You know, he kind of did it for that, but he really did it to explore his own potential just as a person. I'm right. beaten down my whole life. I'm under underachieving what my skill set really is my self-esteem is low i just wanted to fucking do something that meant something more powerful than i've ever done right and i think cameron kind of is like this like that's her mo i want to see if i can do things and right and i completely believed that about her when she said that she did that more than doing it to help oz and she didn't do it to hurt anybody else she just that's what she is that's who she is just doing things to see if she can do them to see if she can accomplish them okay well you're giving her a whole lot of grace which i guess is never a bad thing but 
Cameron, I guess you can look at it like that. I completely believe that she, I didn't think it was that deep. I felt like that after her, um, failure, I guess, for lack of a better word, putting it with Atari with this latest game that she wanted to make herself still relevant, wanted to prove to herself that she was still as good. And that was all not, not like a whole lifetime of things, but also everything she does just feels so fly by the pants, so impulsive and, and half the time impetuous that it just drives me insane. The fact that she did that. And then this confrontation she had with Boz, it just, it just makes me nuts. Everything about that makes me nuts. Well, how does that, how does that fly in the face with her seeing if she can do things? No, it absolutely. I believe that she wanted to see if she could do it, but I just don't give her quite as much grace as you do as far as, you know, that's the way Cameron is. She, you know. I'm not giving her any grace or any criticism. I'm just saying that's her, that's her makeup. That's, that's why she can't live in a trailer in the Bonnie Dune in the field forever for, and be happy because she's got no challenges there. Her, her paradise is seeing if she can do things. And she needs, to, she needs to exist in that type of life framework to be happy. That this is what makes her happy doing things that challenging herself to see if she can do them, regardless well, I mean, I of think the we people all around like her. that, right? Well, I, I mean, don't think Gordon's like that. I think Gordon's kind of a cru- on cruise mode. Yeah, I'm not real sure about the changes that we've seen in Gordon over time. You mentioned that earlier about his kind of Zen attitude, I guess, for lack of knowing how to put it better, and that's definitely a different Gordon than we saw at the beginning. I think I don't, I, I don't know think so. I think that's been Gordon. And actually that's my one other note about what kind of struck me about this episode yeah. is that people, people, the people that are desperately trying to resolve some need are the driven geniuses who make the fantastic creations that we see in life. And that's not Gordon. And I say that even though, uh, even though Gordon was the one who wrote the paper that Joe read that said the computer's the thing that leads to the other thing, right. Gordon wrote that. Gordon thought that up, but he's not the person who drives it. Joe, people like Joe and Cameron are the people that drive that. So Gordon had kind of a hint at the future, but he didn't really see it. He didn't really act on it. He didn't have the genius to make it happen. And I think he's always been like that. Yeah, I didn't see him that way. I saw Gordon as being the person who was the genius, but he maybe didn't have the business sense or whatever. I felt like he he was he wasn't like the driving force, but Gordon to me was Cameron-esque at the beginning and then he's just kind of morphed into then and it, and it's a good thing, I guess, although I guess we'll talk about it in uh, talk what about did, like, what did Gordon ever do that was genius? Well, I don't know if I'm calling him genius, but remember, he's the one with he he was the ideas guy. He and Cameron, he was the one who came up with the with the computer, and he he and the and the guys that were in there like building. He built the first laptop. I mean, but that was know, Joe. Joe no. came up with the idea to to clone the IBM computer and make a personal computer 
And that and Gordon had the technical expertise to do it, but Joe came up with the idea. It's kind of like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had the idea, and Wozniak had the technical skills to pull off the idea. Well, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is that he would he he didn't have the business sense of it, but he definitely had the technical side of it, kind of like Cameron. I mean, I don't think Cameron's a great business person by any stretch of the imagination, but she's certainly the person. Yeah, that I'm not you talking want. about business at all. I'm talking about creation, creating something that's never been there before. Yeah, I don't know, though, Mike. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're splitting hairs here, but, you know, I can come up with a great idea. But if I have absolutely no way of of implementing that idea, no way of making it happen, then who's the real genius, me or the person that can do it? And that's what I see is as Gordon is the person who can bring ideas to fruition. And that that to me is ever bit as much genius. No, I totally disagree with that. And we had an instance of this actually in this episode where Joe said we should make a search and we should make a search bar within our own um, algorithm. Yeah. And Gordon said, hmm, good idea. That That is a good idea. I like that idea. Now, Gordon can do that. He can implement that change, but he didn't think of it. Joe thought of it. And Joe may not even be able to implement. He may not have the coding skills to do that. That's the genius, the thinking of the idea. Even if you have to go out and recruit and contract with somebody who has the technical skill. Because the guy with the technical skills sitting around didn't implement that skill until you impregnated them with that idea. That's the genius to me. Okay, so then we're going to have to call, on on Rover, we're going to have to call Donna the genius for impregnating Cecil with the idea. Although she stole the idea, but... Okay, well, I, I, I don't really see it that way, but that's okay. I mean, we can see it different. I I think that you have to have both. You're not calling Cecil a genius, are you? That, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I'm just saying that she's the one who gave Rover the idea. And, yeah, you Donna, know. Donna is somewhat of a genius, I think. She modified somebody else's oh, idea. And- no, she stole someone else's idea. Donna's a thief, and she irritated me i did not want to watch every scene of hers i literally it just made my teeth hurt she irritated well, me Michelle, so well michelle it's going to surprise you to know that i actually that you love donna. donna in the i know i knew you did when i was watching it and it just she irritated me on a level that she's never irritated me before i was actually that was one of the love to hate i love watching it that was borderline because she was so annoying and smug and it was just, it was, it was hard to watch. I thought it was painful literally to watch her. All right. <laughs> well, that was four or five of nowhere, man. Next week it's four or six. <laughs> I'm Michelle. So to start out during the fix of the problem, it's Donna and Cecil, our heroes. Yeah. Two geniuses. Uh, and it's the waiting room concept, get in line and, and line up for your uh, answers. Yeah, she's she's agonizing over it. She's thinking back to what happened once she's at home. She's standing there just just building a fury within her because she knows better and she can't prove it. I like Donna, the, the detective, kind of deconstructing what happened and try to figure out how the hell, who the hell is behind this code. I, I Look, like this. I like the mystery and I like her unraveling it 
I got no problem with that. And I wouldn't expect anything less from Donna than her to, uh, to know that something was up. I, I think it would have been cheating her character to have not, to have had her not do that. But that smug, swarmy kind of smarmy attitude toward everybody and like, I'm going to trick you. Oh, it just it was annoying to me. Well, I think that I think that's her outer mask to the world. I think inside there is a mother Donna. And I think we're going to see her in the last five episodes somewhere in the span of the ending of the show. I hope so, because I'm afraid she's drowned Mother Donna in wine or something. I mean, all she, oh, well, every scene you see her, she's she like wears knocking a, back. She wears, a, you know, we talked about this, doll parts. She wears a cape now to the world that is corporate Donna that's the hard-ass manager. Like, hmm, oh, so you think that? Well, let's see about that. Let's bring in, a, you know, she's she's smart. Yeah. She is she is a, a, a character playing, a, a, an actress playing a role. See how you can like her because in in this I don't see how you can like the way she was. She even dislikes the way she was at the end of it when she's talking to Gordon. I like how she, she manages. I like the way she's moving people and corralling these cats, this herding herding of cats. Because well, I she's really even dislike. Ashamed. I really dislike the Rover team a lot. <laughs> I don't think they offer any acting skills. There, there's not one person that's likable in that three, and there's not one person that's capable in that three. And I like the way Donna's kicking their ass. Maybe yeah, that's what I like. Okay. Well, I, I, but I mean, the thing with Boz and everything, and and not even that. It goes beyond that. But I don't like the Rover team, but I think they're great. I, th- I think they're acting it great. I, th- I think that's exactly how this team, who's kind of out of their element, their business was taken in a way that they had no intention of taking it, and they're all just kind of floundering with that. I, it's completely believable to me. Not that I like them. Yeah, I think but they're... you seem to think they they were wronged by that direction, redirection, and I think they were enhanced by it, even though well, there's some things that are going to happen to them that are hard for them in their careers they were creating a product that was less valuable than the one donna steered them into even though it's harder for them and it may even be above their skill sets if they could if they could have risen to accomplish what she wanted it would have been a huge benefit for her to push them that way now they may fail but (laughs) yeah they may and that might not be what they wanted you know everybody doesn't want the same thing we we're assuming that that they want this kind of you know major success in this area and maybe they wanted to categorize medical yeah, files of course they wanted it they wanted a, the best product they could make and they well, thought up the the medical one as a it's a small subset of the big sorting of the entire internet of course it's easier I mean, it's easier if your if your football coach says do three push ups instead of fifty, but you're better off doing fifty. Yeah, <laughs> but harder. maybe you don't want to do fifty. Well, then you, so you know? what? You're not going to excel. You're not going to rise as high as you could by that's doing less. That's fine, but that's your choice. Is all I'm saying. Maybe they didn't want to do this. Maybe they did. But she's, probably the, they did. They're playing her game, Michelle. They're not in their own little company anymore. They signed on for money for these people to like 
accelerate them into a better business so that that business can make money. They I stepped into that voluntarily. I completely agree with that. I'm just saying I don't know that it was in their best interest to do that. That's the only thing that I'm quibbling with you. Well, you could argue you could have been happy in a trailer in a field and just wrote your little medical database sorting algorithm and not be challenged as much and had an easier life. I think you're right about that. And I I think that's what some people want. Maybe. You know. We don't get to tell those people, well, you aren't achieving what you need to achieve. Some people are very happy not You do achieving. get to tell them that when they step into your world and accept your money in a venture like this, though. Absolutely. What I'm saying is we don't get to tell them, Donna did you a favor. That's all I'm saying. Donna absolutely has the right to do that considering, but I just don't know that she did them a favor. It just depends on what they wanted. And I just, I don't know. I just, I I agree with you. Actually, I'm kind of just arguing the other side. I think it was the best thing for them if they can keep up with it, but it's not my right or my place to tell them. Even if they don't keep up with it and they fail and they, and they get fired, they're better off because they'll see they were challenged and maybe next time they'll rise. This is a, this is a pain, the pain of life. (sighs) I see it. I mean, I'm giving you my opinion so you could scoff at it. But I, I, this is this is how we lift weights and become stronger in life, I think. We're, we're thrown, challenges are thrown at us and we overcome them. You can retire away from those challenges and not, and be, and be happy and calm and peaceful, but you won't, you won't find new strength. You won't find new, I don't know, opportunity and fulfillment within yourself that way. I'm definitely not scoffing at your opinion. I am in agreement with your opinion. I just don't know that because it's your opinion and my opinion that it matters to anybody else or that we have a right to, you know, project that on them. That's all. I'm tired already. All right, we'll come back next week for 406. Please. All right, Donna Donna and Joni are doing Pilgrim. And I I actually started to like Pilgrim, Michelle, in this episode too, which may amaze you. But uh, Joni can't figure it out. Everything leads back to the damn beginning, which is what everybody who has ever played it realizes. But I think there's a very profound statement about Pilgrim coming up at the end of this episode. Okay, good, good. I want to talk about that. And Donna looks at it and, you know, just kind of scene cuts away to something else. But... Um, Gordon's with Katie reading their Chinese food fortunes. Um, okay, what'd you think about that scene? I don't, I don't like Katie, man. She's very nice and she's very sweet, but she would drive me insane with her saccharine sweetness. <laughs> I just don't like her. Sometimes people, and I'm a guy looking at a female, is like, oh, would I like her as a female if I cross paths with her in life? I mean, she's nice and polite, and I wouldn't be rude to her, but I, I wouldn't be attracted to her. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I don't know, I like seeing Gordon happy. I don't think we've seen Gordon happy maybe ever, unless he was talking about, you know, his computers or something. So I really like seeing that with Gordon. I feel like it's a little bit forced, this relationship, and it's a little bit quick and it's a little bit cutesy, uh, you know, sitting and reading fortune cookies and watching movies over and over. But but there's more to it later on that I want to ask you about when it comes Yeah, up, well, so. the fact that they're a happy thing and some other things about Gordon's health spells doom for Gordon. Like it does in most dramas, the the happiness 
comes right before the negative part. Uh, we also learn about Katie that she's a roller derby girl, which is kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, he thought it was, what, ballroom dancing or something? Swing dancing. And then um, she's like, what? So he's barely even paying any attention to her because I'm I'm with her. How do you mix up swing dancing and roller derby? I mean, could there be anything, like, that's almost polar opposite? But, uh, yeah, I I don't know how into her he is. But he's yeah, either, happy. Either that or his mental thing is kicking in somehow. Right. Crossing his signals and memory and stuff. Right. Yeah. All right. And then Cameron and Joe in the morning, <clears throat> he's musing about Comet and Rover overtaking them as a company and how Cameron was right. The algorithm search was the future. And he asks Cameron to help. And she says, no, Michelle. She's going to head over to Bonnie Dune with her Gerald's Game Stephen King book and just peace out. Okay. Tell me, as far as business goes, because I don't know this much about it, would that be a like a legal problem for her to help them, or is it just some kind of moral conviction? I mean, because if she were playing both sides like that, if she did go in with Joe and uh, Gordon and help them, would that be some kind of... I don't know. I don't even know. Non-disclosure or something, do you think? Or is it just something different? Well, I think you mixed a couple of things in there that twist up the answer a little bit. A non-disclosure just means if you sign a non-disclosure, you can't talk about something that somebody shares with you to another party outside of that first party. Right. I don't think Cameron's done that. I think she, you know, Boz said, hey, come meet this guy and see if you could help him with his problem. She went and helped him with his problem. No, she so. hasn't even met him, though, see? That's well, the thing. What, however, she got him the info. I, we don't know that. We don't know how she helped with the code. Well, we know she hasn't met him because when he's talking to Boz later, he says, get him to do this. Okay, so that's a good point. So he thinks it's a guy. So she probably looked at it and said, hey, change lines 48 through 2015 with this code, and boom, here it is. And he typed right. it in. Right. So that, and I don't think she was paid for it. I don't think she's benefited from it. I think it was just a favor, and I don't think there's anything legal there. So, I, So she could go in and talk to Joe and... Gordon and say, hey, here's what I might change. I don't think that's breaking any law. Okay. I was just curious. I didn't know. But if she took, if she somehow looked at the Rover code and then brought it into Joe and Gordon and said, hey, here's what Rover's doing. You guys should take this and put this. And that might, that would be perhaps a violation or the opposite. If she knew Comet's code and said, hey, Comet's doing this. You guys should just put this and then shared it. But she's not really an employee of either company, so she's just kind of a third-party free agent that's not benefiting from anything yet. So I, I don't think there's a legal issue at all. So you think it's just her guilt talking and making her behave the way she's behaving then? Yeah, I think she's—, okay. I think she's she didn't think it through. She's Cameron still, even though she's older and wiser, she's still— Hey, I'll help. Uh, I'll help you out, man. I, I don't really want to because I don't want to get messed up in the personalities. But I'll take a look, and that's the challenge. You know, I want to see if I can do it. That's a side benefit, but besides all that, I'm helping you out, boss. So th- those are two good things. But then she doesn't realize the repercussions, which now she's fat in the middle of. 
Okay. I know um, that. So she heads out for Bonnie Dune, and but she's dis- dishonest <clears throat> in the face of Joe's need. She's she's doesn't tell him. That's dishonesty to me. I know why you have this problem. I know why Rover is surpassing you. She doesn't share that with him. Right. I helped them. I, I gave them a leg up. Right. I don't know. I have a statement coming up in here in my notes. I can't remember where, but about people being dishonest and how the only one honest, I think I put, was Gordon. But then after I wrote all this and I went to bed, I woke up and I remembered, like, Gordon was very dishonest when he went and slept with his old flame back several seasons ago. So nobody's ever perfectly honest. You know, I was kind of looking to see who might be honest. I think Gordon was dishonest in this episode. Even. I think he was, you know, I mean, certainly not anything with the ramifications that Cameron was doing, but I saw dishonesty in him. All right, that takes us up to the credits. Cameron wakes up after the credits with bucolic morning sunshine in her Gerald's Game book. Have you read Gerald's Game, Michelle? Of course. It's the one, I think, where the guy handcuffs his girl to the bed and then he dies and she's handcuffed to the bed. Yeah, if I remember, it's been years and years and years. But yeah, she he's doing something, and I think she like kicks him or something, and so he goes falling off the bed. And um, I don't I don't remember if he I hit don't his remember head. Remember how I thought he had a heart attack or something, but I, I just it's interesting that she's reading that. Yeah, probably right. Well, probably timely for 1995 or four. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. By the way, Michelle, this episode I think was only one day versus jumping around forward and backward and. Or forward and forward and forward. <laughs> no time. Which jumps. I know you appreciate. I think it yeah. was only one day. Yeah. I don't mind it have... if it works. It just sometimes it's confusing. We just have a lot of time to cover. You know what I mean? Um, or potentially, anyway, depending on when the end is. So I don't really mind them doing that as long as it's done well. And I think in the show, I was thinking about that because we talked about it and you were so upset about it last time. I think that because they were trying to tell the story and have the continuity and the flow of the story, I thought it was completely reasonable the way that they did that. I didn't mind it at all. But All right, so Joe goes into work through the game room that is the central part of their office, all pissed off. And he gets to his computer and observes Rover is smarter even than the day before. <laughs> it's It's learning and getting better every day. And he finds the results for what, what it does is it finds the results for what most people want, but it also includes the odd outliers, and that's really pretty smart. So you search president, you're going to get Clinton, and you're, but you're also going to get, like, leader of a company or highest person in a manage, managerial team. Like, it's going to satisfy all the seekers. Right. And not everybody's looking for President Clinton. Right. So... <clears throat> Gordon's just happy. Gordon's just there being happy. It's Friday. Let's just relax. <laughs> and Joe's not ready to hear this. He and Gordon argue and berates him really loudly in front of everyone that he's sleeping with Katie and Joni hears it and runs off. So I'm guessing you didn't like that about Joe, huh, Michelle? Um, well, of course I didn't like it. I mean, I don't think any of us can act like it's a good thing. He was moody. I actually made a note um, that it seems like everybody who hangs around Cameron turns into Cameron. You know, Donna was this different person when we first met her, and then she became like besties with Cameron, and then she's turned into this 
crazy person. And now Joe is Cameroning. We see that she spent a lot of time with Joni when Joni was little. And Joni's the one that we don't, you know, think is the greatest acting. And, and it's just like everything Cameron touches has this kind of, I don't know. It's like they absorb her or something. Absolve her. That's what I would say, Michelle. If I could give you ultimate peace, I would say let the past go and give peace to Cameron and forgive her. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> I'm kidding around. But seriously, it's that's kind of the message in this, I think, is you gotta you got to live with what today puts in front of you. Yeah, but they just, people just act badly. Once they hang around her, they act badly. And it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. And I think we see it sometimes in people. I think I've noticed stuff like that, not to this extent, but you know, there's people that just have that kind of way about them that, I don't know, you kind of pick up their energies and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, Donya, Buzz, and Tanya. Donya, Donna, Boz, and Tanya are having a meeting, and they talk about staffing a rover, how Cecil the hero has come through and saved the day with the problem of the algorithm getting fixed. But Donna knows better, Michelle. Um, Boz is totally dishonest here. So here's another dishonesty note I have. Boz totally dishonest. Um, but Donna's playing detective, and she has sort of a long game, long tail plan to reveal it all. It's pretty right. clever of her, even if it's a little devious. It's pretty smart what she's planning to do here, to force Cecil's hand. And I don't even blame her for doing that. I just don't think she has to have that um, condescending, smug attitude when she does it. I don't even blame her because she did do the right thing at first. She went to Cecil and asked him, and he flat out lied to her face. So she's got to do something, right? But... She doesn't have to be smug and condescending and better than while she does it. It's very off-putting. She could do it differently. She could pull Cecil into her office privately and say, Cecil, I know you don't have these skills, and I, and I have a hint. I, I have an idea as to how this happened, and I want you to just be upfront with me. And I don't know if she's already done that or tried that yet. Maybe she has, and this, and he's... Because he does kind of say, no, oh, no, it was me. You know, we... we, we that... that uh, that program showed its metal, and we whipped its ass. He she, he says exactly what Boz said. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how yeah. she catches it for sure. But yeah, it was rude, and yeah. All right. So next scene, Gordon and Katie. He needs help remembering a song. Michelle, did you catch what that song was? I did not. Did you? A, and I love that game too. By the a way, a redditor caught with that song is Michelle, and it's actually fairly fascinating. Um, the song is the song that Donna hums to Haley or sings to Haley over the phone in season two. Really? Episode six, 10 broad 36 is the title of that episode. And the melody is baby mine from Dumbo. And in this, in the scene back in season two, Donna changes the lyrics to Haley mine instead of baby mine. Haley mine. Don't you cry? Haley mine. Dry your eyes. And I think she sings it over the phone while she's on the trip somewhere with, if you remember that scene. I do remember. I do. And Gordon was struggling and having a hard time. And he was there. And uh, they were in his bed for some reason. I don't remember why. And she wouldn't go to sleep. And so he called her. And she stopped what she was doing and sang that. I remember that scene. 
So this Redditor, who I, who I horribly neglected to cite here, I didn't catch their name, but thinks that this might be subconscious effort of Gordon trying to find a way to communicate with Haley after she found out about his love life subconsciously. He's, again, his brain seems to be having a hard time finding connections, and he may just be, this may have kind of sprung up and he can't remember it for, for those reasons. Um, that is the, very smart. I love that. And the Redditor also says it's pretty cool how we can now look back and see a connection between Haley and Dumbo, both being different with respect to their peers. Now, I don't know much about Dumbo, but I guess Dumbo was dumb and thought lowly b- <laughs> by his peers. And I don't know. Maintained a better thing. Um, but that was kind of cool. So then they talk about... Uh, they talk about the relationship within the company, and I don't. I thought their PDA was not cool for them to be doing that in a glass walled office. I completely agree, but she kind of calls him on it a time or two. I don't remember if it's this episode or the last one. I don't think she particularly wants to do that, but you know, he's the boss, I guess. All right, Tom visits Cameron next. Michelle, they remembered their Japan Japanese apartment. Um, they're very friendly with each other, but they're done, even though it seems like they may have some sort of an opening here for a moment. Um, he's there to have her sign divorce papers cause she won't respond to him by telephone or by mail, I guess. I guess that was stuff in the box that got steamrolled by the truck. Yeah. That's what she told him. Maybe this is the person. So opposite to Boz and Cameron, he is the one that's always been honest. But then, then actually, I refuted that too because he snaked his way into mutiny by being dishonest. Well, he did, and also, I mean, he cheated on Cameron. He's with somebody else that he met while he was still with her. He's not honest. Well, you mean this girlfriend now? No, she. That's he left her for another female. Yeah, because she was she was rejecting the relationship. Well, she but told she, him was, she slept with Joe. This was years after that. She told him she slept with Joe, and then years later, this happened. They tried to have a baby and lots of stuff in between that time and the time that he left her. Yeah, so, but he's with—she left the country. She came back to the U.S., and he's in Japan. He got a new girlfriend. No, Mike. That's not the order in which it happened. She came back to the country because he got a new girlfriend and told her he wanted a divorce. Well, she they had problems in Japan. You're right. They, she left because of those problems. But those problems were because she didn't really love him. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying she did. I mean, I agree with you that she was not the good person in the relationship. But he did cheat on her. Well, I don't he call that somebody cheating. Else. He, he's being... He, he was dishonest about entering mutiny the way he did by scamming his way in. I don't think he's dishonest about the girlfriend. They were, they were, even if they were together, they were essentially broken. Their relationship was broken when he, before he went and got a girlfriend. He wanted Cameron. Well, then there's no such thing as cheating, right? Because a relationship has to be broken in some way for you, for anybody to want to go get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You don't think Tom exhausted every single potential possibility with Cameron before he went and got another girl? They didn't. Okay, no, I don't. Because he should have left her beforehand if he were going to do that and leave her. I think it's a cowardly thing to do is what I think. All right, I think we're I think we're mincing. I think this is I think I think he did that after he realized his chance with Cameron was over. 
even though they technically may still be married. They are married. They're not even divorced yet. I don't think that's cheating. I don't know. I don't call that cheating. They were married. They were living together. He kind of blindsided her with the fact that he had a girlfriend and he wanted out of it. And that's not cheating. No, because she back she backed out of their relationship. She cold she, she stayed in Japan with him for a while while their relationship was over. Years, years, yeah. but it, she was still there. No, I technically, know. I technically yes. Okay, it's cheating. Technically, I mean realistically, no, it's not cheating. Okay. All right, Rover team. Again, nobody I like on this team, Michelle. Nobody's even skilled on this freaking team. They want independence that they don't deserve. Please leave us alone, Donna. We need to manage ourselves. That pregnant girl can just stuff it, man. <laughs> Donna's okay. going to trap them with the legal IP steps, which is really smart of Donna, I think. She's, you know, she's, she should probably manage it better and just say, all right, you guys, here's the deal. I know what's going on here, and I want you to be honest with me. But she's going to trap them instead. And right. essentially trap Bosley. Or, or walk in there with an attorney. Walk in there with him. Say, here, we're going to do this right here today. Do it. And then sit there. You know, she could do that. But she doesn't have to do the little dance. Where she well, she's of- probably doing this. So Cecil says, look, man, I, I, you know what? It wasn't me. He's, she's making it easier for him to say, I can't do that. So don't bring an attorney because you, you got me. It wasn't me. It was somebody else. So she's le- she's applying pressure, maybe to save even save Cecil from the embarrassment of like, okay, sit down in front of these three attorneys and tell us your IP. He 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 will be totally trapped at that point. And, and it looks like he does. It looks like this does work because he does fold and break when Bosworth tries to pressure him. Anyway, I, I put in here that I like this version of Donna. I like her managing. <sighs> I don't maybe like the person so much, but I like that she's managing like this uh, effective tactical manager. I don't think the idea is bad. I think the idea is kind of genius, and I think it's actually okay. I think it could have been done more kindly. I think Donna's cruel the way she did it. But beyond that, I think that she is just – I don't know if she enjoys being that way or if she's just like stuck in this nasty, ugly, bitter way of being. But it is so. Uh, she's not, Michelle. They've given us clues that she's not. When she mistakenly says you, everyone has to drink tequila unless they're fr- freaking pregnant. And then she realizes she's been an ass. She knows she's an ass. She's right. apologetic. She has moments. Well, um, okay. She has moments of, uh, you know, her her inner maybe you know true self coming out or whatever. But she has this like facade of of bitterness and ugliness and and I I think it's all coming from a place of fear. But I think it's almost almost insane fear what's she talking about in a little while where she's talking about how she has a town full of uh enemies they never showed us anything like that with donna well i mean i'm sure a person in her role would make enemies in the investment community where she rejects people 
Well, sure, but you don't see people like Diane going around, and Diane never acted that way. And you don't see any of the other people behaving in the way she is or thinking about that they've got so many enemies. I don't know. I think they're showing us something really ugly in Donna, and it's kind of surprising that you don't see that. No, I agree with you. I think she is acting out of fear. She's finally reached a spot in her life where she feels like this is this is the valuable peak of like what I can do. What you know, let me see if I can do it. I, I love that statement by Cameron. I want to see if I can do it. She's she's kind of doing it even though she's trampling people's treading on people's toes and careers. <laughs> but she's doing it. She's kicking ass and she's making enemies because she's tramp stampeding people. I think probably Diane does have people that have that would call her an, an enemy, but she's more elegant about it. Donna's an amateur at this job, and she's she's you know learning how to do it in a very roughshod way. I think success brings out one thing in a certain kind of people and brings out something else in another kind of person. And I'm just seeing the something else in Donna. I'm seeing uh, just everything negative that this amount of success it's not who she really is though it's a facade it's a it's a face to the world that isn't really her maybe you could be right it could also be the person she always wanted to be that she can now be it's not because of that it's it's a play it's a it's a it's like a drug. It's like she's high on it and she's she's relishing it, but it's not her. She's a mom. She's a mom. She kept mutiny together. She kept her family together. She fixed the speak and spit play when the kids were little. She, that's who Donna really is, and that's going to come out, I guarantee you, in the okay. last part of this show. I'm holding you to it. I, but I like the version of Donna that's the business person because I, like I like how people in business – get directed into being higher performers. And if they don't cut it, they get moved out. I like that. Okay. It's not nice or unnice. It's just the way it is. All right. So Boz and Cecil try to concoct a dumb plan to fake it. Boz actually concocts this plan and Cecil has zero game, Michelle, and he just folds. I can't, I, I, that's different level. That's way above me. I, I'm out. And he walks out of the room. I don't know if he kept walking out of the whole building. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Next ons, the next ons. So, spoiler alert: we'll do some next ons at the very end, but they have some revealing stuff about that. Um. So, next scene: Tom and Cameron finish up, and she at the trailer. She hugs him goodbye after knowing that he's fully, really fully moved on with this new girlfriend and the baby they're expecting. And um, I, I think here is some sort of other lesson with finality and honesty. I mean, Tom's really honest here with Cameron. Um, I think these are valuable features that Tom represents, even if he's a Joe hater, and we'll always hate him for that. I think, I think these are windows of realization for Cameron, and that there'll be a way for her to see this is the right way to do things. Just be upfront and move on. Um, in, in a way, she used Tom, um, and she regrets. You know, she expresses her regret for it. She used Tom to get. You know, she used actually she used Joe, I guess, is a better way to say it. I slept with Joe to move Tom on past her so she'd have the easy way out. Right. Did you see it that way that she said, I told I I I thought I told you because I wanted you. I wanted to be forgiven for it. But what I was really saying is 
I wanted you to wanted you to know so you would move away from me. Well, she didn't say that to Tom. She said that to Joe later about but her interaction. But that's with what Tom. I mean. She did yeah. with Tom. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. why she apolog- That's why she hugs and apologizes to Tom. She, right. She's regretting I, it. I, I actually think she's she's realizing it and then regretting it. Okay. Well. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I wonder how much um, Cantwell and Rogers feel the pull of moving on from this show when they were writing this scene, you know, we're halfway through the end of the season of our five-year or four-year project of our lives. We're, we have to move on from this. I wonder how much of their emotion is going into this Tom. Tom, I got, I'm with a new girl and we have a baby, which is the most definitive line being drawn of an ending of a relationship that leaves no opening for the previous person. Well, yeah, that, and also the fact that he wanted the baby so much, you know, she's talked about it again. I mean, they brought it up several times and she was happy that they never got pregnant. And now he's getting what he always wanted, but mm-hmm. it's with somebody else. Yeah. And he was able to move on. He, he is happy. He, he, when she signs those papers and he slaps that thing shut, Boom, that's the shutting of their relationship. For That's the last we'll ever see of Tom, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, I hope so. All right, Gordon's at the office with his illness journal. And Katie, does she learn for the first time that he keeps these journals about this illness? No, she knew, which kind of has me questioning how long this relationship's been going on. Well, pretty short. They only hired her. Um, whatever time ago from the last episode, right? Right. I mean, I'm just thinking that that they've only known her for a few months. So it was a little bit surprising that she knew so much about that because he was writing in it and she came in and said, you having a bad day or you having a problem or something like that. And he's like, nope, nothing new to report and shows it to her. So she knows about it. I mean, how long would you wait in a relationship to tell some, if you're 40, you, you know, you start talking about that stuff pretty early, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're sleeping with them. Right, right. I don't think it's an unrealistic thing. It's just a really personal thing to share. I mean, you know, you could say I've got this medical condition, but to share that you actually keep notes on it and stuff like that, it just seems really personal to me. But, I mean, it's totally believable. Maybe. He shares what he's doing with the cassette tape. And they're in kind of a – she's a communicator. She's an ontologist, so she's like a – She's, you know, that's right in her field. Right. I could see him talking to her about that if he's sleeping with her, like right, really pretty early, you know, right around the first time you decide you're going to sleep with someone. That's pretty personal, too. I mean, it's. (laughs) I agree. All right. So Cameron calls for Joe and Gordon lies for him. So there's another little chunk of dishonesty from, from Gordon lies for Joe. Right. Not here. All right. Joe suggests the intra-site search bar. And uh, what did I put here? Joe's vision. Joe's still seeing the future. He's still he's still being creative here, but he can't really see what's next. And he has a loss of like, I can't get my arms around the future. And Gordon kind of tries to console him like none of us get to know the future, really. You just got to live with what you can and life throws that shit at you. And I think their friendship's really renewed here, Michelle. It's really proven to be solid. Even with the yelling out about Gordon sleeping with Katie in front of uh, Haley. 
Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really interesting thing that Joe was saying. And I think Joe has actually lived this truth, this whole series, that it's not about the money and it's not about, uh, you know, the end game and it's not about what they create even. He says it's about how it felt. And I think we see that with Joe throughout the whole thing. It's all about this personal draw that he has toward whatever, toward his, I don't know, what what would you call it, a life mission or something? But yeah, I, would I call, thought that was, yeah. I would call his life mission the vision of the future. And now that he's sensing the loss of this vision, he's lost. He, he doesn't know what to do. He could always kind of see the future and and almost make it happen, and now he has no sense of what's next. So Gordon, as his friend, says that's okay. That's the human condition. Nobody, no, nobody has what you want. <laughs> nobody really can see what's next, for sure. And he's trying to right. help him as his friend. But, yeah, it is profound of Joe to realize that. Like, Joe this- wants the feeling. He wants that feeling. And I think that's something, It's it's just, huge and and I could totally be just like borrowing everything else in this but I think we we struggle with that kind of thing in life most of us do a lot a lot of people you see it manifests in um like like love which you know is brought up in a little bit people want that feeling of falling in love that's the feeling that they want and when that feel you know once you're there you don't have the feeling of falling in love so so you have to like change your expectation of what everything is going to be and feel like it. And I think some people have a really really difficult time with that and I'm seeing Joe do this in in business and I don't really know where that's going to lead him unless it leads him off, you know, on some kind of path with Cameron. I mean, they kind of dropped us with Joe and Cameron 10 minutes out. So I'm really interested to see. I think yeah, they did twined. an interesting commercial cutaway right from the uh, because yeah. I love you from Cameron. Right. And, and then they didn't come back to them the whole rest of the episode. And it was 10 minutes so or a little over. So I thought that was or right at. I thought, I thought that was interesting. A, a lot of people think this show is about love. Of course, it's about the computer industry and technology. But a lot of people think the personality part of it's about love. And I, I used to think that until this episode. And I don't think that anymore. I think it's about something else. And um, it's at the end, so I'll save it. But I, I don't think it's about just love and love relationships. And re- I don't really think it's about relationships even. Okay. Um, That'll be interesting. All right. So Boz hits up Cameron to help the, with the Cecil scam and the lawyers and the IP and all that bullshit. And Boz is just digging a deeper and deeper hole. Okay. What did you think about that? Uh, what do you mean? What did you think about the way, first of all, well, everything, about the way he came over, the way he strong arms his way in? What he's asking from Cameron. What did you think about all of it? Well, I don't know why Boz is digging this hole so deep when it seems like he has a side way out. And it, and a way he had a way out at the very beginning before he even dug the first spade of earth <laughs> to dig the hole. I don't understand why this is such a problem for Boz. Um, I, don't like, I don't like it, of course. But I don't think... 
I mean, it's boss. Like, come on, you could do this. You, you can, you can, you can do this. You can pull, you can pull it off. <laughs> you, you can just, just tell him a little <laughs> bit, you know. But there's no way Cecil folds is going to fold, and he know, and he knows it. And he's got Cameron coaching Cecil. That's never going to work. But the thing he does here is he then blackmails Cameron almost by saying, "Well, would wouldn't do much good if Joe knew about this." That's he. That's not what he did. He didn't do that. Yeah, he she did. She says, "No." She says, "Why don't you just tell Donna?" And he goes, "Well, I will as soon as you tell Joe." That's all. That's because blackmail. There's blackmail here. Implied blackmail. I totally didn't take it that way you 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 might be right having yeah, she heard throws him it, out that's the end of that is the she's like this conversation is over please leave he he implies that if you don't do this i'm gonna just tell joe i'll tell joe and what will he think about you helping can i just say though first of all i hated the way boz came in there strong arms way in i think he's desperate i think that's easy to see but why wouldn't cameron just get on the phone with uh I never can remember that guy's net Cecil and just tell him, he said, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, like a, he implied, it's like a three minute phone conversation. Tell him. Cause then she's, she's digging her hole deeper, but she's already done it. No, I mean, she's, she's, ar- she's trying, she did something wrong. She got in behind Joe and did something to help a competitor. She thought she was helping Boz or she was fulfilling her need to see if she could do it or whatever. But she knows now that that was wrong. And she's right about not making – she's like, dude, I told you I'd do this one time. You would never come back. There would be no backlash, no updates, no fixes. This is it. I'm, I'm sticking to this. Don't ask me again. And he says, well, what if Joe knew about he, – he, this is not cool. He's digging a super deep hole. He just tripled the depth of it by this visit to Cameron. And she's smart for not participating. I guess. I don't disagree with you. And I don't think she should have done it. And I don't even really know how I feel about it. But it just feels like everything else with Cameron. You know, when you get in bed with Cameron one way or another, you're going to end up in a pickle. You can't give Cameron credit for saying, hey, what we did was wrong and I'm not going to participate in making it any further more wrong. Yeah, maybe, Mike. But it's like, you know, you lead somebody over the edge of a cliff and then, you know, you go, "Okay, I'm not going to help you. It's his cliff, though. It's Boz's. All this is Boz's fault, not her fault. It's Boz created this situation. I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that he did that. He was telling her his problem. Maybe he was trying to manipulate her. I mean, I agree that he probably was, but she didn't have to do it. So she's got as much ownership in this as he does. And she knew she wouldn't have said to begin with, um, I'm not going to do any patches. I'm not going to do any updates unless she knew that they would need that. And I don't know. I, I totally I don't lay know. as much blame I don't blame know how you her. can equate. I mean, you got to assign some blame to Cameron, but Boz is 95%. <laughs> it's his, it was his plan, and he asked her to do it. She did it as a favor to him and as a fulfillment thing for herself, whatever. I'm, whatever. I'll give her the blame for that. But this is Boz's problem that he created. Yeah, it, it's definitely his problem. but And his doing of the problem. I mean, he dug the hole, and she doesn't yeah. want it any worse. She's right for doing this. 
he started digging the hole. I don't know. I don't know. He asked her to dig the hole and she dug it. I don't know. I, I just think that she has much more than 5% of the blame in this. May, not not 50%, but 22 to 30%. All right, Michelle, I don't know where you're getting your algorithms. From <laughs> Cecil, <either>. probably. <laughs> Probably. All right. Why? Here's the mystery that's frustrating. And, and I, I, what I'm afraid of is this won't ever get paid off. Is why won't Bosworth share this with Diane? It, 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 he, it's being explained as if it's something about male ego, not wanting to admit I made a mistake and I made a bad investment. But it's putting so many other people at risk and stress that Okay, Bosworth has enough moxie and man game to hold his own with Diane, rich Diane, way richer than him, and he has no money. That's okay because Boz has game. Boz has moxie, his personality. He doesn't need to be as equally rich as Diane. He doesn't even need to be financially successful at all. That's not why Diane likes him. He offers all that other stuff to her. So why is this such a problem for Bosworth? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we even know. I'm not sure if they're going to tell us. And I'm not sure if we're even supposed to be questioning it. But I agree with every bit of that. We sure as hell don't know. And we may never know. That's the part I'm afraid of is they'll just say, oh, it's just Bosworth just wanting to be, you know, sick of retirement, wanting to be successful. Right, right. Like being that strong Southern, you know, I'm not going to tell my woman kind of man thing. And I, I don't think that's a good enough reason in this. I agree. I don't know. Now that he's crashed and burned and there, maybe there will be some. Well, Diane's going to know because everybody else knows poor Boz. As soon as he gets any kind of like chest pain, then everybody starts like vomiting his secrets all over everybody else. So, all right, so they have dinner, Boz, Boz and Diane and Donna. Diana, here's your favorite scene with Donna, I'm sure, drunkenly favorite, waving her yeah. glass around. And she never once even sets her drink down, Michelle. She doesn't just drink a lot. She just never even sets the glass down on the table. <laughs> I know. It drives me crazy. Anyway. She's drunkenly warning Boz that she knows, and she's she's using Cecil's she knows that Cecil's been fed everything by Bosworth and the browser was set up by Cameron and all that. And so, uh, and she's so mocking the browser was rude. Let's teach it manners was Bosworth's line and Cecil said it. (laughs) Right. So, well, yeah, she's drunk and she's mean to him. She's mocking. She is mocking him. Boz has a heart attack. He's fed up and leaves and has a heart attack. So still leaving us with his secret, though, and I don't know. I don't know why Donna just doesn't ask him about it. Why, why can't you, you know, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right. She why, has to turn it all about her. You why know? doesn't she, she just ask him, why did you do this? Not Because she's a bitch. She's a raving bitch in this. That's why she's not asking him. She's horrible. She just likes to do this mocking. I don't think she likes to do it. I think she is doing it, but I don't think she likes it. She's doing it for no, a reason. No, well, you're right. Yeah. Why doesn't she just say, ask him privately? Dude, why did you do this? We're Now we're in this company. The person you asked was from an ally of that company. <laughs> why did you do that? 
And I would completely have approved of everything that she's confronting them on if she would have just not been attitude when she was doing it. I agree she was smart. I just couldn't couldn't stand it. But, but, but she's turning it all about her, you know. Don't you know I have all these enemies in town? And I think, and I love this show, I love this show, but I think they overdo that with her just a little bit, right? Well, because Michelle, I, I don't think they give a flying, with all due respect to you, I, know. I, don't give the, I don't think they give a flying F about what Michelle from TN approves. I know. I know. Rover. <laughs> I just get frustrated with her doing the um, the way she talks. She's talking like this to Pete, and I just, oh, I just can't. It's just one of those nails on the chalkboard thing. She does it with, with, um, Gordon. She does it, um, I, it, it, it's just like her, her mo. She does this thing when she gets like super frustrated. It's like a, it's like a whisper where you put like emphasis on one sound in the word. I can't believe you did, you know, and it's like, oh my God. Gosh, I just I can't stand it. Well, she commanded that poor guy to have sex with her against his will. Okay. All right, Michelle. At the hospital, Boz is okay. Cameron and Donna reunite, and everything's perfect. Cameron thinks it's her fault. Yeah. Well, right now, as up to this moment, it is. Cameron thinks it's her fault for Bosworth getting a heart attack because he she wouldn't help him. Okay. Yeah, and can we talk about, first of all, how many people want to take some ownership in Boz's cardiac condition? I thought that was kind of telling. And also, right here specifically, I made a note that Cameron makes herself really vulnerable to Donna in this situation. She sits down and she says, this was my fault. And she talks about how she feels ownership in this. And Donna who was the one, you know, belittling as he actually was falling down, clutching his chest, doesn't, doesn't do it back with her. She's, she's not as, uh, you know, forthcoming. She, even to make Cameron feel better, she won't, or to make Cameron feel better, she won't share. I mean, you wouldn't have to say, well, I was the one actually calling him names as he fell to the floor. But she could have said, yeah, well, you know, you're you're no more responsible than I would be because we were, you know, fighting or something. And she, and she doesn't. And I thought that was so telling of Donna and who she is right there. You have Cameron, like, pouring her heart out to her, crying and this is what she gets back. Well, Boz is these girls' father, essentially. And Cameron is really hurt thinking that she hurt her daddy, essentially. That's why she... And she's younger than Donna. I think that was telling of Cameron's emotions there. She hurt her daddy. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do something that would keep her daddy from this heart attack. I completely agree. I just thought Donna was... Cold. I think you got to remember that too, Michelle, that Donna isn't just Donna and all the stuff that's being done to her and her personally. Donna's representing a company. And these people, these two, Cameron and Boz, did something to help a company of which she has a charter to protect somehow. I mean, you're right. She doesn't open up and say, yeah, you know, I, I really got to share with you that I think he's his heart attack is part partially from a lot of things, including some of my own. But she can't share that. I mean, she's 
a steward of sorts of this company too. I mean, there is legal stuff to that. She can't share a lot of that stuff with, with Cameron. No, but she wouldn't have to go into any of that. I'm, I'm curious why you, well, I'm you thinking know, back defend to, I'm thinking her. back to some stuff I didn't say when we were talking about Donna earlier, too, that it's not just Donna. It's Donna's company that she's, you know, obliged to protect as well. Sure. And I agree that she should protect it. And I agree that what Boz did was wrong. And I agree that what Cameron did was wrong. And I agree that Donna is in the right in trying to find stuff out. I just don't like her, the way she's going about it. And I think it's belittling. And I think it's just, I think it says a whole lot more about Donna than it does about anybody else that she's talking to, including Cecil well, or any of them. I think part of this too is the writer's are putting the third nail in the coffin that totally reveals that Donna to Donna, that Cameron was the coder. Like this is the final, if you didn't get it by all the other clues, which a lot of people probably don't get, like, why are they so mad? Why are they fighting? This is it that Donna knows for sure. Now that Cameron was the coder. I mean, she literally almost is spoken that, that, that this is the reason why I'm mad and I'm still mad. And don't you ever cross paths with me again and my company again. Right. So it's a hammer over the head, but it's, it is what it is. All right. Joe comes by, I guess before that Joe comes by and then Donna and he goes to check on Boz and Donna says, stay away from my business and my life. Right. So Haley, Joni and Katie now are listening to music. It's Haley kind of off by herself though. And she wants no part of the little game that Joni and um, Katie are bonding with, which is kind of funny seeing how, Joni's rejected every other girlfriend that Cam- that uh, Gordon's had. Yeah, what's going on with Haley? I don't I don't understand that. I think she's upset about the woman sleeping with her dad. So the woman can date her dad. I mean, she's fourteen. She's not like seven, where you you know not understand and. She knows they're dating. She knows that she's over there. I mean, we see the PDA in the office, like what you were talking about. And then because Joe yells that, Haley's going to, like, completely change her tune like that? Yeah, maybe. I'm confused I mean, about that. she's freaked that. out about her dad sleeping with another woman. And now, now that woman's in their house. I don't know. I could see Joe, I could see Haley feeling freaked out. I guess. I don't know. I thought it was kind of odd. And and also Gordon here. What's going on with Gordon? Well, here? you mean the scene, the next scene with his listening to his own voice? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I think his, I mean, the, all the signs are pointing to it, Michelle. I I, I predicted this ir- incorrectly a year and a half ago that he was doomed then, but I think this is pretty strong evidence that he may not survive this series. His, well, his maybe il- not. His illness is back. He deals with it by listening to his own voice. Uh, uh, ironically, right near the fire where he's going to um, destroy all of his journals. <laughs> and he tells Katie about this. And he's had spreadsheets created before, but they couldn't predict the future. And he kind of realizes that no matter what you do, you cannot predict the future. You just got to live with the present. Right. Right. I guess my question more is his attitude toward Katie here. It's like, you know, hot at the beginning of this episode and then it's cold here at the end of the episode. And I didn't understand that. I, I don't didn't think know. he's cold towards Katie. I think his illness is, is raged back. He's tired. 
and he goes to bed. I don't think it's a statement about Katie. He and kisses you, her on the head. If you, if you hear him, well, he's exhausted, Michelle. And if you hear the, um, I had the sound turned way up. I had headphones on or something. But if you hear, you heard him walk up the stairs. It was like clump, clump, like super slow. Like remember him going up the stairs in the past seasons? I do, yeah. Like really infirm, infirm. So he's in bad shape. And I don't think okay. it's Katie. I think it's Gordon's health. Okay. All right, Cameron and Joe driving. She has him pull over and tells him all about Tom. She told Tom about Joe, so Tom would leave, not to save the Cameron-Tom relationship, not to be honest and save it, so she wanted to push Tom away. And I think Joe's worried at this point that she's going to tell him, and now that's it, you know, I'm done with you too. (laughs) Right, I think so too. But then she cho- and she also tells Jill that she wrote the algorithm to help Bosworth because of his money problems, and that he hasn't told Diane about it. He hasn't, or the he hasn't told Bos hasn't told Diane about the money problems. So she was trying to help him. Um. But then she admits, "I wanted to see if I could do it," um, which I I think again reveals that the Bonnie Doon solution to her midlife crisis isn't the solution. Seeing if she can do things is still her solution. and But then she says, I did this because I love you, Joe. And I think she really does love him, Michelle. Well, and she apologizes. You don't see that from her much either. She has poured her heart out in front of Donna. I don't know that she's necessarily doing it to Donna, kind of. But, you know, in the hospital. Then she's with Joe and she apologizes to him. She doesn't you know, give any excuses. She said, I did it. I wanted to, I think I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it. I was trying to help a friend. She essentially says, I wasn't thinking and I'm sorry. I mean, she just says, I'm sorry. And then he's like, well, why are you telling me this? As in you told Tom that stuff because you wanted out of everything. You wanted Tom to be the one to break it off. And she says, she she's telling them because she loves him. And it was like, whoa. Okay. So then Donna calls Gordon in the middle of the night, in the middle of his weak night clomping up the stairs. Yep. She tells him that comment was good for Haley. First she says Haley left some book behind. It's just a reason to call. Right. But then she really talks to him. This was a good scene. I like this scene. She tells him comment was good for Haley, that she's motivated and encouraged and her self-esteem's big. But I guess Donna is also motivated to resolve the Boz, Boz situation. Um, could because she's haunted by Diane's reaction to seeing Boz with the heart situation. She saw Diane's face and something clicked. So, so Donna's got some good form fire, deep, maybe deeper inside than you think, but I think she's still basically a good person. Well, this scene, I mean, I really liked Donna. Uh, I thought it was a great scene. She She was warm and real and open and uh, there was everything to like about her and that she was honest and uh, so yeah I think it's still in her I'm just dislike the other side of her so she's guilty about what she said to Boz and Gordon shares more about the boss situation by telling her he didn't he came to me for a loan and I didn't give him the loan um which, see, that's the right thing to do. Donna is saying, 
I feel so guilty because let me tell you what happened. This happened right beforehand. And Gordon goes, oh, Donna, you know, this happened. You know, if anybody has to take ownership in this, you know, it has to be me. came to me first. That's the human thing to do to somebody. And when Cameron did that to her, she was just cold. And it just... I don't know. Just yeah, but that's why I think that's why I think this show is so good, Michelle. The um, writers are so good at doing this, writing this show that there's more to it than Donna just being a corporate bitch. God, I got to the top of the heap. Now I'm a corporate bitch. Deal with it, bitches. She's not. She's still Donna. <laughs> she's still Donna, and she's still got that warm hearth burning within her. And when we're going to see what it is, because the writers are going to bring this in for a good landing and show us. I hope you're right. So when Donna hangs up, I, I think this was entirely one of those, I just needed to hear your voice things. She had no real reason to call Gordon. No point, no nothing really. Just I needed to hear your voice. And I think that was re- re- revelatory of who Donna really is. Like, hey, I need to connect with the people that I really that really had important meaning to me. Well, right, but you also have to wonder if she's not feeling, I mean, it's Gordon that she reached out to. You have to wonder if she's not feeling some kind of regret because she was talking about what she heard in Diane's voice when Boz fell, and she doesn't have that with Gordon. You know, I mean, of course Gordon would be upset, blah, blah, but, you know. Yeah, she's a human. She's complicated. She's got more. She's not just a corporate ball buster manager. She's a human. And we know who she is. We've seen a lot about her in the past. I'm just saying don't forget that about her, that she's still got all that. It didn't get erased somewhere along the way. She's still that person. And this is the coolest scene ever, I think. Donna plays Pilgrim now, the game that looks so stupid. But she plays it and she gets it. She, uh, She resolves the mystery. So the character, the lonely girl in the universe, is walking through life alone and just moving ahead, moving forward. But at one point, Michelle, she has to ascend. She has to climb up and not just move forward. And then, so they transpose this scene with Haley going to sleep under her covers and Gordon burning the journals. But I think this is the real lesson in, in this whole thing with Cameron, is that once we stop striving and ascend, we can reach a peaceful, snowy, happy place. Um, the, the very name of the show, if you, if you halt, if you halt on your journey, you will fail and catch fire, halt and catch fire. If you stop, you're going to fail. You're going to catch fire. So strive, move forward, be a shark, always move ahead. This is the secret, right? This is the secret we're blind to as we go through a, everyone in life goes through there a thousand different times. I just want to see if I could do it. I got to strive. I got to move ahead. I mean, that's kind of the lesson here, I think. You know, I think that's really good. I agree with that. I think it also was showing us that she is kind of, I don't know, maybe figuring Cameron out. Maybe she's on to Cameron or maybe she understands her like no one else has been able to do so far. So I'm hoping you're right in that they come together in some way, even if it's not, you know, in a friendship way or whatever, I'm hoping that they resolve this between them. I'll be really sad if we end this series and Cameron and Donna haven't resolved their, their relationship in some way. So this is, this is the real reason I think these guys 
Christopher Cantwell and Christopher Rogers are just great, brilliant writers. Because I think a lot of people, and, and most people in Reddit, if you read the forums, think the show's about love. It's about relation. It's based on the background of technology and computers, and, but it's about relationships and love, and f- who's going to fall in love, who's going to maintain the relationship. But I don't think it's that anymore, Michelle. I used to. I think it's about change. I think it's about personal growth and change. Because this ascending, this character that Cameron created changes her path and and nobody in the game figured it out nobody got it oh you just start over again what a stupid game of i've played all four levels and all you do is start over start over but donna figures it out she climbs those pedals and it's a different place once you ascend once you change your path and i i don't know i just really caught a meaning from that that these writers are trying to impart that most people don't get it most people go through life and don't get it they they muddle their way through with habits and day-to-day <laughs> activities that they don't ever change and they don't ever really find their, you know, their ascension. Right. Repeating the same mistakes, getting the same outcomes over and over again. I couldn't agree more. And, and the irony is it's right in front of you, those rose petals or rocks or whatever, you know, um, climbing steps are right in front of the character in Pilgrim. And she, and most people don't, they just go right through it. But, Donna tries something different. So anyway, I don't know. I liked it. I liked the message. And I guess we're kind of teed up to see if that's really going to be true. There's five episodes left. Um, So that's it. Then that took us right to the end. That's where it closed out. So, Michelle, I got some spoiler alerts if you want to talk about next ons. I'd love to hear them. Okay, 406 is a connection is made. And in that... Okay, this is spoiler, so don't listen if you don't want to know a lot. But she's talking to Cecil. Donna is talking to Cecil in the conference room, just him and her. And she says, Boss has already agreed to step down. Have you watched this? No, I have not. She says, Boss has already agreed to step down, and now I want you to do, to do the same. It may not be fair, but this is what you have to do. So somehow, Boss is out good or bad or ill illness related or what right and cecil's going to be out and i don't know what revelation about cameron is going to arise from this but that you know in 30 seconds that's what i saw Mm. Uh, and then the next one 407 i didn't see a next on but the description is joe and gordon discuss comet's future donna takes a vacation and a new collaborator challenges cameron um, Boz and Diane make a life-altering choice. Okay. I'm guessing that that is that they're going to get married. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too, because um, when the doctor came out, she uh, the doctor said, Mrs. Bosworth. And she's like, well, no, uh, yeah, whatever. And she gets, she got up. So I agree with that. Yeah, good. that's good. Well, that's a statement about the times and <laughs> the the. the, the sex bias of the times i think now, yeah, well sure but they were also showing us that they weren't married yet i think i think they kind of threw that little plug in there i think it's maybe. more of the other because the other the other clue to that was the cecil saying you got to get him in here and talk to the lawyers i can't do it and it was a woman cameron i think it's a i think it's a gender slant that we probably did have in the 90s that we hopefully eradicated some of by now but yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Bosworth. <laughs> it's like everybody defaults to the guy being the 
you must be the you must be married and you must have his name and you and the engineer who fixed this must have been a male right all right michelle that's all i got i feel like i've talked 90 percent of the time i probably have <laughs> i don't think so no that was I, I thought it was good i thought it was a great episode um I feel like we touched on everything that I thought of in it. Certainly I'd, you know, be interested if anybody else out there has any other takes or anything we missed or anything that, um, particularly if you agree with me over Mike, I'd like to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I do like to hear other people's ideas on it. So that'd be great. It's fun. Funny. Last time I was so tired and we were doing it in like the middle of the night and more middle of the night for you than me. Cause you're East coast. And I'm West coast, but somebody wrote, somebody either wrote or, um, tweeted me or something that said, get your ass in gear and don't do a show if you're so freaking tired. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually did, you actually ran the recaps more than me last time. That's maybe why I feel like I'm talking so much. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I was just, I just felt like we were missing a lot last time. So I did kind of steamroll, which I apologize for, but um, wanted to get all of my little, uh, you know, notes in. Also, Michelle, a lot of Halt and Catch Fire um, podcasts have dropped off since they started, since season one. Really? Some even that picked up like in season two or three and only went till two or three or four and dropped, I mean, before now and dropped off like they haven't continued this year. Bald Move actually had one that they don't do anymore. Um, wonder why. I don't know. I Bald really Move like this show. There, yeah. there aren't very many viewers, so maybe that's part of it. But it just for us doing it as kind of a fan cast and not a business, it is kind of a rewarding thing to talk about. Right, right. I think we would be talking about it whether or not we were talking about it on air. So, All right, Michelle. Well, that's it for 405 Nowhere Man. Next week is 406. A connection is made. How do people reach you with all these questions you want them to bring to you? <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at Michelle from TN. And I'm at Scathing Tweets. And our website is westcoastproject.com. So leave us any comments or questions or theories on disambiguation or however else coding and search engines work if you're a genius professor in another country yeah because <laughs> we may actually need some help with an algorithm that we're trying to work on. no i'm just okay yeah or if you have a take on just the personalities and the relationships and the personal growth and all that um it's funny in reddit a lot of people were saying like i i used to like this show it used to be about computers and it was really interesting and now they've gotten way away from that <laughs> So some people don't like the personal parts as much. but um, Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what I like about it. I'm glad it's got the computer stuff in it. I think that makes it more of a historical fiction kind of thing. But um, but I I would be disappointed if they were just showing the progress. It's not a documentary, you know. So I would be disappointed, I think, if they were just showing the progression of the Internet and stuff. I, yeah, I, and it, and it didn't it. just devolve into relationships like oh it's a it's a soap opera it's a personal growth experience now i think an exercise exactly. in exploring personal growth and what meaning what is the meaning of this how you <laughs> how you find meaning and what do you do about it how do you absolutely and also the cost right the cost of 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 this and doing stuff and maybe the cost of every great idea that's ever come right 
because I mean, you know, we've lost Ryan, the marriages that have been torn apart and everything. I mean, there's a cost to this kind of thing, I think. And I think they're kind of showing us that in, in real humans. All right, Michelle. Well, that's it. So we'll see you next week on 406. See you then, Mike. Bye. Bye-bye.